right, Jason, Jason, Jason. Good to be back with you, man, on the Motown Philly podcast. I'm Tim Golden, and the person you heard me call Jason is... Jason Hall. And Jason is the Motown of the podcast. I'm the Philly of the podcast. Welcome to episode two of this podcast. I have a, a couple of, at least one logistical matter I need to clear up. I think I gave out the wrong Twitter handle last time we were on, Jason. So I want to make sure I correct that. My Twitter handle is at D-R-T-J-Golden-E-S-Q. That's where you can find me on Twitter. And you can find me on Instagram at a good golden man. Got to make sure the folks can get in touch with us, Jason. So Wanted to correct that error from last time. I am only human, as the song says. So there you have it. How you been, Jason? I've been doing well. It's uh, been a good day today. Uh, Just finished uh, client sessions. And um, this week has kind of blown by. And it's Thursday already. So I've had a good day. It's sunny outside. I've been outside a little bit. But um, there is no complaints here in Memphis. You know, it's it's real funny. It's real funny that we are this this show, this podcast is named Motown Philly. And both of us are (laughs) we don't currently live from we don't currently live from where we're from. But the thing is that you can draw from this. We definitely rep. Um, and really love where we're from. So it never really leaves us. That's right. It's not about where we live. It's about where we're from. Mm. It's about our point of origin. We're going to have to devote a podcast at some point, not today, because we're talking about something different, Mm -hmm. but at some point, we're going to have to devote a podcast to the relationship of our communication to origins, to where people are from, and how where you are from affects what you say, what you say is a reflection of how you think. And so there's all sorts of material there for us to talk about, but we're not gonna talk about that. Wait, 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 but listen, Tim is on to something. We're not gonna talk about that, but listen, Tim in, in the title, like this is Motown Philly, where we learn just for you guys are listening uh, again, anew, where we learn that where we learn and study and understand that communication leads to connection, which leads to community. That's why you guys are here, and that's why we're here. And it is our best duty, our most highest duty and priority is to keep that forefront in everything we say. But when you really think about communication, there's so many things that it's connected to, and. Tim and I have a running list. And as the days, even though maybe the hours go on, Tim and I often can text each other and say, we got another topic. We got another topic. We got another topic. And he was just talking in the first five minutes of this introduction and just thought of a brand new topic, the origins. <laughs> well, that's right. It's, it, is a, it is a topic that is has has no shortage of tentacles, no shortage of places that it goes no shortage of, of subjects that we can discuss. So we will get to it. But it's a, it's amazing how 
you can find community despite origins. Mm. You can find, you and I have found community despite origins that are very different. Origins, yeah. not only in space, you being from Detroit, me being from Philadelphia, but origins in time. I am about nine years older than you. So we've got these differences, mm -hmm. but community is a powerful thing because you can achieve it despite those differences. That said, today, Jason, we are going to talk about the relationship of communication and connection and community to vulnerability. What does it mean to be vulnerable? I took the liberty of looking up vulnerability in preparation for our session today. Mm -hmm. And the sage that is dictionary.com defines being vulnerable as the quality or state of being exposed to the possibility of being attacked or harmed, either physically or emotionally. Mm. There's a lot there as it relates to communication, Jason. What do you think? Tell us, as you heard that definition, what are some of the things that jump out to you and how do you see being vulnerable and vulnerability as it relates to our themes of communication, connection, and community? I mean, that's loaded. That's so loaded thinking about the word vulnerability. Now, since I was young, I've heard that word often and did my best as I matured to, to understand that word and all its dynamics. But this is what I understood. I understood very similar to, to what you read, the meaning of vulnerability. It's being exposed to be harmed, meaning that I am I have opened myself up on some way, or maybe someone else sees something who I, in my emotional, or if we're playing a sport, in my physical, just a crack, if you will, in my armor. And that's a space or place that is left for someone, like you said in your, your definition, someone to attack. So vulnerability means, oh, it meant to me, because I believe it means something different to me now. I've understood is what I'm trying to say, what vulnerability was in that definition that you described, that used to be how I, I, I comprehended vulnerability. But for some of you that are listening and Tim really knows right now, um, just through our relationship and our uh, our time of connecting over the years, that vulnerability has that word and even that definition has been revolutionized to how I deal with it. It's not a crack in my armor. It's not a place where someone's looking to to poke at or find me, if you will, so vulnerable that I might fall or that I might falter. 
or that, you know, that's a point of weakness. I have now learned, because this is my favorite topic almost in the whole wide world. And Tim knows that, like, I'm, I'm grinning from ear to ear because we get to talk about on the second podcast, on the, our second episode of this podcast, my most favorite, one of my most favorite topics. It has to be like top, <laughs> top one or two, maybe one A, one B. And vulnerability has in my, in my own estimate for me, changed who I am as a revolutionized who I am as a person, because I no longer look at it as a source of weakness that I'm, that I might be exposed to have someone pull me down. But I look at it now as a source of strength. That's heavy. That's heavy, Jason. And the way you have rethought vulnerability makes me think of how vulnerability is inescapable. It's inevitable. In the biological realm, we're all vulnerable to invading pathogens. Mm. The past two plus years with COVID-19 has taught us that, right? Right. We, we are always vulnerable. There is, there is no human being that is so thoroughly insulated from harm mm-hmm. that you could say that person is 100% protected True. at all times. And the reason why I make that point is because vulnerability is inescapable. In fact, if you try to make yourself invulnerable, you inevitably make yourself vulnerable to all sorts of other problems. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you may have an inclination to protect yourself or to guard yourself from others. And I don't think we're suggesting that one should be emotionally or physically reckless, right? Mm-hmm. You're not going to, you're not going to run and play in traffic, right? <laughs> right. You, you surely you're making yourself vulnerable to be hit by a car or a truck and and your life, but you're not going to willingly do that. But there comes a time in our interpersonal lives, especially when it comes to interpersonal communication or relational matters where there has to be a level of vulnerability because there's an inherent risk every time we communicate. Mm, mm, There mm. are so many people who go on at length in the dating culture about Mm -hmm. not wanting to open up because they don't want to get hurt. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And at some point, if you're going to have a relationship with another person, not even a just a romantic relationship, but even just a friendship, there's going to have to be some level of exposure to, notice it's not, the definition doesn't say exposure to attack or to be harmed, mm-hmm. but exposure to the possibility. Does it say that? Is that what, is that what yes. you're right? Okay. The definition says, 
being exposed to the possibility of being attacked or harmed either physically or emotionally. So, so, so let me say this, either I'm wrong or have been wrong, or there's not necessarily a wrong or right, but I've always heard it the other way because culture, if you will, I understand, or I believed at that time was, was for me to understand vulnerability in the way of not the possibility it's the 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 imminent inevitability of being tagged because you will be tagged therefore you must cover up or you must not expose i think i love what you said as you were as you were kind of breaking down the elements of what vulnerability is and it's to say like it's you said is like we can't help but to be vulnerable. I think another way to say it is because you're human, you you always you are always vulnerable. So to deny for me now, for me now, not before, but for me now to deny being open, like this is who I am. I am in I, this is my being, this is my person, this is everything that that makes me Jason, which is also a vulnerable creature, a vulnerable human. How, if I'm denying vulnerability, I am not being human. I'm not being my my authentic self. There's so much to that, Tim. Like it, to recognize the fact that vulnerability is who I am, and no matter what I've learned to do with it, if, especially if I'm denying the fact that. I need to walk in openness on some level to individuals. I'm also denying the humanity of my own person. And it's only when I believe now, it's only when I sincerely embrace my humanity is when I, is when I learn to deal with opening up appropriately and in a, in a, and in a healthy manner with individuals and who I talk to, with individuals who I come into spaces with. I think that's, that's and that's how I view vulnerability. You know, we also can't talk about this topic without mentioning some person <laughs> that might come up late, sooner or later. That's right, that's right. And I, I, will, I will talk about that person. Uh, I think we're talking about the same person. Oh, definitely. And in, you, in just a, in just a second, but let me let me if I could, I don't want to I don't want to devolve into a philosophy lecture here. But one of the points that you're hitting on is that the inevitability of this vulnerability. In other words, we can't help but be vulnerable because it's part of the human condition, and every time we open ourselves up, we expose ourselves. And in every attempt to not be vulnerable, we make ourselves vulnerable, speaks to a philosophical concept mm -hmm. that, I, that has been called autoimmunity. And mm -hmm. if I could just touch on that for a second. Go for it. Uh, the human body, medical science tells us in autoimmune disorders has a dysfunction in that the immune system, in its very attempt to protect the body, 
ends up doing the body harm. Mm. And it's a principle that applies in this context of vulnerability. Every time we attempt to protect ourselves, we end up doing ourselves harm because every attempt to avoid vulnerability is, as you nicely put it, something that undercuts the very potential of what it is to be human. Mm. And if we are going to claim self-protection, if we're going to be honest with ourselves, we have to understand that every attempt at self-protection is an autoimmune attempt unconsciously, but in a very real sense of self-harm. Oh. So break that down. Give me an example. So, so I've always I've always said that it is it one one should live one's life not in avoidance. One should live one's life in affirmation. So if I choose or if any person chooses to live life with another person okay. in romantic relationships, mm -hmm. you decide to have relationship with someone. You ought to have relationship with someone if it's romantic, not because you don't want to be alone. Mm -hmm. You are living in an avoidance posture. The person with whom you are in relationship deserves better than that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you deserve better than that. Mm -hmm. So you can't live in avoidance. You have to live in affirmation. If you are in relationship with someone, mm -hmm. romantic relationship with someone, you ought to be in that relationship, not because of what you don't want, but but because of who you do want. Right. Is the let me let me just be more specific. If I if I am trying to be, for example, if I'm like to use your example, if I am trying to be in a relationship with somebody because I don't want to be alone, is the avoidance that you're talking about the avoidance of my own self in a way? Yes, it, exactly, exactly. It's an avoidance of your own self and it is, it is an attempt to protect yourself because you don't wanna be alone, but you're ultimately doing yourself harm because you're entering into a relationship in a way, you're living your life in negative terms. Mm. And the reverse of that is also true. There's a MGTOW movement that goes on. MGTOW stands for men going their own way. And it's, a, it's an interesting movement. Lots of parts of it to me are nonsense, mm -hmm. but the, the, it, I think it has an impulse that is compelling, mm -hmm. which is that men ought to, in some, in some sense, discard forms of manhood, and masculinity that are that are problematic okay and and ought to move on and sort of do things their own way but here's the thing if you're single because you don't want to be in a relationship and don't want to be hurt 
that's just as bad as being in a relationship because you don't want to be alone. Again, you're living your life, not affirmatively, but you're living from an avoidance mentality that's trying to protect yourself from being vulnerable to another person. And in that avoidance of vulnerability, you are on one hand asserting yourself as sovereign over yourself, but you are simultaneously doing yourself harm because you're living with an avoidance mentality. If, you, if you're single as a man and you are living your life because you sense that you have a vocation or a calling that may in some ways be incompatible with marriage, that's fine because now you're not single because you're trying to avoid something. You're single because you are embracing what you believe is your calling. So I think this business of communication that we're in, Jason, demands, as, demands that we be honest with ourselves Talk about it. We can now we like we've been demands, getting into it. We've right? been I mean, getting into it. It demands that we be honest with ourselves. It demands a mode of authentic self-communication. Come on now. Because that, that's and, that's where I was gonna go for it. And and self-connection and community with oneself. Let's start there. Authenticity. Right? It starts with a it's it does start with the communication. There is a we we walk around daily, I believe. We walk around through life ignoring, ignoring the internal dialogues that we're having, the internal conversations that we're having with ourselves in order to know ourselves. And sometimes we live a lifestyle of totally ignoring and totally pushing aside the 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 heartfelt communication that helps us be our most healthiest self that's, that's right that's exactly right jason and and you know in this context it's important to point out this person who we spoke of earlier right talk about so it. earlier this week or late last week and early this week on twitter Mm-hmm. There was something of a firestorm that started because there was a woman, a black woman, who uh, referred to herself as a therapist. And she did a post on TikTok. It was a video in which she went on and on about how black men need to get therapy. And it was a profanity-laden rant that was fundamentally aggressive and in which she exhibited high levels of testosterone (laughs) for a woman. I'll put it that way. And it caused such a storm, a firestorm, that, and and she got such backlash for it, that folks found out her name and called her job. And apparently she was 
and it's, I have to I have to put an asterisk by everything I'm saying because we live in a world, sadly, Jason, where mm-hmm. we're not sure what's true and what's not true. Right, right, right. We, we're really not. Frankly, it was hard for me to believe that any self-respecting therapist who claimed, by the way, that 90% of her clientele were Black men would behave in such an unprofessional manner. But anyhow, the backlash right. against her was so strong that she got fired. And then she came back on and complained. And now she's saying, well, you didn't just, I may have lost my job, but the people who I work with, many of them black men have lost the therapist. And, you know, I'm, I'm scratching my head and I'm saying to myself, as a black man who has been to therapy, right? Right, right. What in the world? Could your clients have possibly gained from their interaction with you, considering the disposition toward black men that you displayed on that original video? And and I, I mentioned her to say this. Okay. She went on and on about how black men lack the emotional vocabulary and the days for withdrawing are over and you got to learn to keep up with black women because we're leaving you behind. And here on the Motown Philly podcast are two black men What's who that? are talking about vulnerability right. and who are talking about issues of emotional intelligence. Two black men, I hope you don't mind me saying this, Jason, two black men who have both been to therapy, Definitely. two black men who have benefited from therapy. Yes. And two black men who are are doing their level best, we're not perfect, but we do our level best each day to achieve a sense of self-awareness that's higher than it was the day before. Definitely. We, I, and, can we, we can also say that we I, currently are that's in right. therapy. Like, that, I mean, that's, that's exactly the, right. And, and, and we are, and right now, what are we doing? We are being what? Vulnerable. Hmm. vulnerable so we're not just talking the talk right this very conversation once it gets published on our on our platform on our podcast uh hosting site once it gets tweeted once it gets shared on facebook once it gets shared on instagram exposes us what to the possibility of being attacked or harmed True. Either physically or emotionally. True. So here at the Motown Philly podcast, we don't just talk a good game. We live the principles that we talk about, never claiming to be perfect, but always standing against a culture that in many ways, Jason, is misandrous. And by misandrous, I mean anti-male, particularly if you are a Black male. And so I like to think our very presence in the podcast universe stands as an act of resistance and refutation to a lot of spaces, some of them dominated by Black men, in which Black men are incessantly pathologized, are incessantly told that that there is something that, that they're not measuring up, that they're not good enough, 
that are told that they have to bow to their romantic partner's every wish and whim, that to do so, God is only going to love you with the measure that you love your wife. The amount of poison that is out there. And and I mean, at some sort, at some point, we'll name names and we'll get into all that later, but we're not here to attack anybody. We're here in some sense, I don't know about you, Jason, but I'm motivated because I want to help set the record straight. I want to engage this toxic culture and I don't, I should not have to apologize for being a black man. And I will not apologize for being a black man. And so I just wanted to put that out there for those of you who think that black men don't have emotional intelligence, that black men can't express themselves or their hearts or their emotions or their feelings, that black men don't suffer from emotional abuse. We'll talk about that at some point too. Um, Just tune into Motown Philly and you can hold us up as an as an example that refutes the prevailing trends of our very anti-black misandrist culture. Tim, you you've said them out for my friend. You said them out for. Um, listen, I think the top what the point that you touched on. Um, that really kind of like hit a nerve like it all kind of hit a nerve with me but to know that yes we are actually not just speaking about being vulnerable we're not just men being vulnerable we are black men being vulnerable and it is important to know that as we open up more about some of the fundamental um just a fundamental awareness or like things that we have to do to communicate better. And vulnerability is at the seat of that. I believe both Tim and I um, wholeheartedly believe that. Opening up ourselves like this on a public platform will leave us vulnerable in the sense of what Tim just read at the top of this of this particular episode. But if we're honest, we might not, our biggest focus is not to focus on that side of what vulnerability is, is to, to understand that, hey, we are, and we are opening ourselves up to potential harm um, emotionally by, you know, feedback or commentary that we're we we could potentially be you know less than men because we're saying things and we're talking about emotions and feelings um, and things like vulnerability. That's not necessarily what culture says we should or we often do, but we are also showing up, uh, doing our best job to be wholeheartedly us and. Being wholeheartedly us, Tim and I, I can speak for myself, and I believe Tim is the same. Like we try not to have these discussions without discussing our human elements. And 
Tim and I hold each other accountable um, in community for the things that that resonate inside of us that helps to make us just better individuals. And being vulnerable helps to define and bring clarity to decisions that we make, how we communicate, of course, but how we treat the other person that's on the other side of us, um, whether it's a stranger, whether it's somebody we're just coming in contact with newly, or whether it's a longtime friend, like being openly honest and vulnerable and sharing how you feel, sharing what you think, sharing what hurts, sharing even, you know, your past traumas, if you will, helps to give a more robust picture of who the individual is that you're dealing with, which creates connection. That's exactly right, Jason. It creates connection. This is why so many people struggling with addiction find group therapy so helpful mm. because a community is built around communication and connection because the space is set up to help people feel what? Vulnerable. Mm -hmm. is people are comfortable with vulnerability in group therapy sessions. And so community is built and there's accountability in community mm -hmm. and it ultimately makes us better people. Mm -hmm. So again, the concept of autoimmunity becomes important here because in every attempt to protect myself by not being vulnerable, I'm cutting myself off and I'm doing myself harm. Mm. So I'm, I'm just like a distorted immune system that is on overdrive fighting something that is not there Ooh. and Ooh. causing inflammation and organ damage and swelling and pain, yeah. right? I'm, and my body, the, the medical dysfunction is that my body is doing that to itself. And the, the glitch in my immune system is that it thinks it's helping. But in every attempt to help, the very attempt to protect is, in, in that attempt to protect are sown the seeds of the organism's own destruction. I got a question. I hear you. I described what I thought vulnerability was growing up. And now I kind of, I described newly how, what I perceive and what I understand and what is healthy about that same word. How has that word been for you in your maturation and your maturing since you've been young? Like what has been your relationship with vulnerability from the time that you understood or thought you understood that word till now? You know, that's an excellent question, Jason. Um, we've talked about, I mentioned in passing earlier, vulnerability doesn't mean being reckless. And in response to the question you just asked me, in growing up in my life, I have had the misfortune before I've come to understand that this is not the healthy way to do it, um, 
being vulnerable does not mean that you don't set boundaries. Mm -hmm. And for me, growing up, my dysfunction was that I was vulnerable to everyone and everything. I was vulnerable at all times. We can talk about why I was like this a little right, bit, right. In a, you know, in another It'll session. Mm -hmm. But but part of my dysfunction and a dysfunction that was uncovered in therapy okay. for me was my inability to set boundaries because I didn't mind making myself open to other people because I was fundamentally codependent. Mm. in seeking the approval. I was living my life from the outside in. I was waiting for affirmation from other people. And so opening myself up to other people saying, hey, here I am, I'm at your disposal. I do what you want. What do you need? You need this, you need that? Unable to say no, unable to, to tell people, unable to be honest with mm. others, unable to be honest with myself, and that ended up causing me a lot of pain. So my, my understanding of vulnerability for the majority of my life was a dysfunctional understanding of it. And it's only recently that I've learned that to be vulnerable does not mean that you always open yourself up. It means that you open yourself up in situations where you are essentially taking carefully um, thought out but calc cal and calculated risks, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You're willing to do it. It doesn't mean you do everything, but it doesn't mean you do nothing either. And I think if, if we're going to look at this in, on a continuum, my understanding of vulnerability was that I was overly vulnerable. And we've talked earlier about not being vulnerable at all. So you have these two extremes. Mm -hmm. And I think right now what I'm striving for in my life is to arrive at a midpoint between these two extremes where I hit a sweet spot and say, you know what, I'm going to take some chances, but I have boundaries too. And I have boundaries because I communicate with myself. I have community with me. I have honesty with me and I'm not going to allow just any old thing to happen, but I will still take risks. So I think that's been the, the metamorphosis for me. Right. I, we come back to it a couple of times. I love the notion of vulnerability being the seat, if you will, of discovering who we are to create to create a more clear conversation and not avoidance. Well, in the conversation, being honest and, and vulnerable to yourself, starting honesty, and continuing to keep those lines open so that you can, can always stay connected to yourself, right? And the more you can have that open, lines of communication because you're vulnerable and you're open to understand your weaknesses it's okay to understand that you are you're not strong in areas and that you you need to grow and you struggle in certain areas it's okay to acknowledge those things we weren't necessarily taught that but we are learning or we have learned i have learned tim you have learned as well 
that creating, understanding what vulnerability is, allowing you to express that dialogue and conversation with yourself creates more connectivity to who you are, which also you can find community in your own self. And that might be an odd notion, but I don't know, maybe you, Tim, can better articulate what does community with myself looks like? Because all this is a setup to deal with people outside of us, but we can't really deal in a healthy way. We can't really communicate in a healthy way if we're not communicating and connecting and having community with ourselves. What is community with ourselves? So that's a great question, Jason. Here's, here's the way I would, I would address that. First of all, I think when you and I talk about the self, let's just clarify, we're not talking about the self as an end. We're talking about the self as a means. In other words, it isn't the case that you and I are saying you just need to be a healthy self for your own sake. What you just said is we need to be healthy selves because if we're not healthy selves, we can't have healthy community with others. So in other words, our very interest in the self is other driven. Mm, it self. is driven by a desire for community with others. Mm -hmm. So the self is not our destination. The self is the journey that we take to the destination to build community. Mm. That said, I, I think a good way to to think about this is that and again i don't want to i don't want to get too philosophical here but uh, i'm it's talking a, about i'm talking are. about <laughs> i'm talking about plato right mm -hmm. so plato has what greek philosophers call an account of the suke p s u c h e is the transliteration and the suke is a greek term for soul. It is the root word for our word psychology. So when the Greeks speak of, or when scholars in Greek philosophy speak of psychology, they are speaking not of the rigorous empirical behavioral discipline that we know today as psychology. Instead, they are talking about a philosophical account of the human soul. And so Plato believed that the soul had parts. He said, how else is it that one part of us wants to do something while another part of us tells us no? So he divides the self into reason and spirit and appetite. Reason represented by the head or the, uh, the brain, uh, spirit represented by the heart, and appetite represented by the stomach and the loins mm -hmm. below the waist. And each one of these parts of us may at one point or another want to do something. And here you and I are talking about the primarily the head and the heart, sometimes the loins and the heart, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sometimes uh, as a man, when you are alone, 
you may have a certain desire, a sexual desire. Right, right, right. And you may decide that what you, part of you wants to fulfill that sexual desire, but another part of you, your head knows that you may feel good in the short run, but that in the long run, you'll be doing yourself more emotional damage. Mm. So to have community with yourself is to be connected to your soul in such a way that you can discern when you are conflicted, why you are conflicted, how you are conflicted, and that. how that conflict ought that. to be resolved. So when we speak of community with oneself, what we really mean, and you and I talk about this all the time, Jason, right, right, we're right, talking right. about a, a level of self-awareness that enables a discerning of motives right. that enables an right. appreciation for the complexities of the things that make us who we are. An integral part of my recovery, for example, right. has been, by the way, I recently had the sixth anniversary of my divorce. I moved halfway across the country, went through a divorce started a new job all at the same time. Right. I'm sure you'll hear a lot more about that as we go forward. Mm -hmm. But the point is, uh, when we talk about community with oneself, I one of the reasons why I have made so much progress in my own emotional well-being mm -hmm. is because I have learned to be vulnerable with myself. I have learned to openly check myself and say, why do you want to do that, Tim? What is the real reason for that? And if the reason for that is something dishonest, I have learned to say, you know what? I'm not going to entertain that. Right. And it's only when I'm able to do this openly and honesty with me that I then become healthy enough to have community with others. No, I love it. I love it. Uh, I, I I, you exp you express that very, very well because community of self ultimately is what I what I'm hearing you say and what I believe as well is that self awareness factor and how you not just become aware I like to do this when I when I when I talk about aware if you guys are listening I'm opening my hands on the side of my face because how we think of course comes from our head and sometimes we can walk through life with our traditional with our cultural with our biases that are fixed as if you as if we've had blinders on and when we become more aware those blinders to who we are open up and it's when we begin to open up more and more and more we get to to view who we are and like tim said our motives what we do and why we do it and i often tell tim i'm like and i tell him like we are as humans very complex individuals and if we're unaware of the complexities of us we go through life we interact we communicate with people in ways that can often be toxic or even dysfunctional. And we, we don't understand why people come in and come out of our lives 
and and how we communicate with them and 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 you know why things are not always working the way we would like them to be and it's because we haven't recognized a lot of things inside of ourselves that may may be or may have created this discommunity or this discommunication if you will with ourselves and it's only when we begin to learn the complexities and we get to check ourselves if you will to see what are we doing what are we feeling how is how are these different sections like what tim mentioned whether it's the the, the brain or the mind the heart versus the 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 passions or the appetite of the stomach or of the loins if you will like how do how do the three of those interact what is the community what is the community saying Where's the purity of what the community is saying? Where's the openness and honestness, the vulnerability, the communication with myself? What is, how does that align with who I, who I want to be, who I'm trying to be, right? And if we could, Jason, uh, there, it is no accident that the platonic division of the self into reason, spirit, and appetite has a rough correspondence or certainly a at least a faint resonance with the theological doctrine of the trinity in christianity Ooh. a religion that is fundamentally other centered and one in which god has perfect community with himself father son and spirit mm -hmm. such that he is able to give himself fully and completely to others wow. and for those who are listening that may be uh, religious or of the christian persuasion i think that may be a point of reference for you if you even if you even if you reject christianity outright and you're listening to this metaphorically there is still some explanatory force in referencing the doctrine of the trinity and christianity even if you only see it as myth or fable or some sort of narrative story to make a broader moral point but what we're saying here i think jason is that you have to learn to be vulnerable with yourself and to be honest with yourself and when you've achieved that you can now love others mm -hmm. like that which mm -hmm. means you can be vulnerable and honest mm -hmm. and open with them. Mm -hmm. And I would say if if somebody was listening to this, if if you don't if you forget everything else we've said today, I would say remember this one takeaway. Every time you try to protect yourself from being being vulnerable, you hurt yourself. Yeah. Every so time now, that doesn't mean that when you set boundaries, you're hurting yourself. Difference. What it means is if you're living in avoidance instead of affirmation, you are living in an autoimmune dysfunction of avoidance because every time you avoid to protect, you end up sowing the seeds of your own relational and communicative destruction. And I don't know about you, Jason, but I tend to think that human beings were made for com communication, connection, and community. 
I second that. You know, I second that. Uh, it, it's 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 our nature. It's it's our nature to truly understand just those those depths of us that helps us to relate and connect and and have community with others. Uh, we did not bring up the name uh, or invoke the name that I thought we might mention at least once in this particular. Episode. Oh, oh, I, I was, I thought you were talking about the therapist, but I think I know who you're talking about. Now I'll let you mention her name. I'll see if I'm right. For those of you who know me and are, and are familiar with me, um, I began to think about the word and the meaning of vulnerability differently once I uh, first saw a TED talk by Brene Brown and she helped to switch and change my perspective um, of what that word used to mean to me to what it means to me now. And I believe what we have been saying, and if you don't know Brene Brown, you should look her up. She's done great work um, with research of what vulnerability is and how it connects us with others and how it helps to bring out our best self. As I stated in the beginning of this particular podcast, I never, I don't see vulnerability as a weakness now. I actually do see it as a strength or a superpower. And I do give credit to many conversations I've had with Tim, um, of course, my therapist, and also Brene Brown. And she's had several books that helps to walk us through a lifestyle of living in a very wholehearted way with understanding what vulnerability is and how it can make us better people. And when we truly get to understand um, who we are in our most vulnerable state, Tim mentioned boundaries. Um, when we know ourselves well, because we have dialogue and conversation with ourselves, we communicate with ourselves and we're connected to ourselves. And we make sure we maintain the community of who we are from our head, our hearts, and our lower regions. Like we begin to understand how far we'll go or what we will and what we don't do. And that's, that's, it's not avoidance in that way, as Tim was saying, it's definitely um, a fact of understanding this is for me and or, and or this is not for me because I really know myself. I'm in, I'm connected with me. I'm in community with me, especially when you're in community, you're not trying to offend any of those regions, even though one might try to take over um, the other, if you will. But you know that, hey, the three of us, we, we, we walk together in this life and we must manage these things better um, by that word vulnerability. That's right. Wow, Jason, we have covered some ground today, haven't we? Man, yeah, we have. I, I think we are off to a good start on this episode two of Motown Philly. Welcome yeah. to our world. A brother from Motown, a brother from yeah. Philly, trying to figure out this thing called life. Yes. And I can't think of any better way to figure it out 
than to share our reflections and our conversations with you all. Jason, I don't know about you, but I just want to let folks know we don't claim to have all the answers. We just hope that we are asking the right questions. True, true, true. true. Much yeah. love, those who are listening. Can't wait till next week's episode. We'll see you soon. In the meanwhile, upload, tweet it, share it, send it off to everybody you can because Motown Philly is carving out a space in this culture and we're here to stay. It's a movement, y'all. It's a movement. Let's get on it. Let's let's communicate better so that we connect, so that we can we can grow our community bigger and bigger. Not just this one, but yours where you are. Talk to you next week, family. Take good care. Take care. Ask, remember, when you tweet, hashtag Motown Philly, hashtag the three C's, communication, connection, and community. That's what we're about here at Motown Philly. Take care, all. Take care, guys. Love you guys.